Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. With me on the phone is Pastor Al Davis. He's an OCA board member, and we're going to be talking about voting registration at your church. This is a Citizenship Sunday. It's a voting registration effort uh, at your churches. In fact, churches all across Ohio for the last uh, few weeks have been conducting voting registration efforts at their church. It's a nonpartisan effort to register people of faith to vote so that they can vote their values in the upcoming November 3rd election. We call it the Citizenship Sunday, and uh, it's an opportunity for volunteers to work a table at your church uh, to basically the pastor to make an announcement if you're not registered to vote or you need to update your voter registration, or if um, you've just moved to the area and you need to register in Ohio. The opportunity is here this morning to register to vote. So uh, we've been getting reports into our office from across the state of churches that have been conducting the Citizenship Sunday voting registration effort, and we've done this over the years. It's been a very successful effort. We also have applications for absentee ballots for folks to fill out, and then our volunteers take them to the boards of election in each of the county on the Monday following the Sunday. Now, we have an update. The Citizenship Sundays have been extended through the month of September. Uh, We have September 13th, 20th, and 27th as uh, Sundays of citizenship. Now, I'm going to be at my own church on the 20th, and that's going to be over in Medina, and we're going to be at First Baptist, and we'll be registering to vote that day. Uh, you might want to attend the service and then stop by the table and register to vote or update your voter registration if you need to do that. Or if you had somebody that's just turned 18 in your home this last uh, six months, they also can register to vote and to uh, participate in this election. And I remember way back in the day, uh, when I first uh, registered to vote and cast my first ballot. Pastor Al, do you remember the first uh, ballot you cast? Uh, yes, I do, Chris, and thanks for having me on today. I remember that, and I especially remember my first presidential election. That was uh, President Reagan. You might have heard of him. That That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well... You know, I remember back in uh, high school uh, was when I first uh, registered and voted, and uh, what that I was excited to do that, and of course, they've participated in the process ever since. Well, again, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about absentee ballots, early voting, and voting at the polls on election day in this segment of News and Focus. The second part of our program, we will have an encore presentation of last week's roundtable discussion on the face mask order at churches and the harassing calls that some churches are getting across the state in various counties from health departments over the misguided face mask mandate from the state government. But that's going to be for uh, the later on in this program. But this uh, half hour, we're going to talk about voting registration. And of course, last week, uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose mailed out an application for absentee ballot to all of Ohio's 7.8 million registered voters. He was also on Fox Business Channel with Neil Cavuto. Let's go to that piece right now. This is Secretary of State Frank LaRose explaining the uh, application for absentee ballot mailer he sent out last week. 
All right. Well, it began with North Carolina sending out uh, mail-in ballots to every uh, one in the state. Now, Ohio sending out uh, application forms, absentee ballots to all 7.8 million registered Ohio voters. With us right now is Frank LaRose, the Republican Secretary of State uh, from Ohio. Secretary, very good to have you. Thank you for taking the time. How do you distinguish this from what North Carolina is doing? Or is it essentially the same thing? Well, what we're doing here in Ohio is exactly the same thing that Ohio has been doing since 2012. We send out we send out an application for an absentee ballot to 7.8 million registered voters. That gives Ohioans the choice. Of course, you'll still have the choice if you don't opt for absentee voting. You have four weeks of early voting in Ohio. And then, of course, the polls will be open at 6.30 a.m. on November 3rd, if that's what you choose as well. The process that we have here in Ohio is safe and secure. And Ohioans really on both sides of the aisle have trusted it for a long time. So that's an application for an absentee ballot. Sometimes we get caught up in the semantics here. But is an absentee ballot the same as a mail-in ballot to you? You know, in Ohio, we have used those terms interchangeably for a while because the only way that you can vote uh, by mail, of course, is to vote absentee. Uh, But in Ohio, we also have been distinguishing from those states that, for example, send an absentee ballot to everyone, whether they ask for one or not, such as Oregon and Washington. So here in Ohio, what we have is an absentee process that has safeguards. We prohibit ballot harvesting in Ohio, for example. We maintain accurate rolls. Those are all things that cause Ohioans to trust this process. Secretary, how does it work in terms of when they have to get the application back and, and, and have the, the absentee ballot, mail ballot, whatever you're going to call it, done? Neil, this is one of the reasons why we've actually been moving the process up a little bit. We got those applications out in the mail a little bit earlier than usual. We're encouraging Ohioans to fill them out and send them back as soon as they can. Of course, they've got all the way until really the end of October, but we don't want them to wait that long. We're we're talking about flattening the curve in a different way here so that we don't overwhelm the boards of elections right before Election Day. And so they have until the, the end of October, but we don't want them to wait that long. And then, of course, those ballots don't start going out until October 6th. And so, uh, for example, my wife, Lauren, and I, we mailed in our absentee ballot request yesterday. We know that the Franklin County Board of Elections will mail us our ballot right around October 6th or 7th, and we'll be watching for it then. All right, Secretary, we'll watch very, very closely. Thank you very, very much, Ohio Secretary of State, on this latest move. Maybe a more logical middle ground to get ballots out to people, but to first give them the applications to get the ballots. So there's a streamlined process for this. We'll be watching the Buckeye State very, very closely. Okay, that was uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose on Neil Cavuto, and uh, he was talking about, on the Fox News Channel, talking about uh, the process here in Ohio. Pastor Al, obviously, uh, the Ohio Christian Alliance is all about voter voting registration, also about voter education, and we've been doing this uh, since 1991 as an organization, registering people of faith to vote encouraging them to find out where the candidates stand on important issues of life, of marriage, of uh, morality and First Amendment issues uh, and national security issues. And so that when you go to the polls, you have a better understanding of uh, backing candidates that more align with your biblical values. Your thoughts? You're absolutely right, Chris. And that's what I, as, as a pastor, I encourage our people to vote their biblical values. And to do that, we need to be informed. We need to be following, you know, what uh, is out there, the information that's made available to us. And, 
And like you said, the Ohio Christian Alliance, uh, you have been doing this for a number of years and your voter registration, or I'm sorry, your, your uh, uh, profile of the voters, your, uh, I'm slipping my mind and the term of it there, um, that you put out each year, the candidate guide, has always been very effective to, to help us to know uh, the positions that various candidates are taking on the issues. And I believe that we need to be informed. And if, if God's people are informed and vote according to their biblical values, I think we'll make a tremendous uh, difference in this election. That's right. The Ohio Christian Alliance Voter Guide, which is nonpartisan, we simply survey the candidates where they stand on key moral issues, and then we publish the, the results in an educational voter guide. We cover the presidential, the congressional, Ohio House and Ohio Senate races. The Ohio Christian Alliance Voter Guide will be available on our website the first week of October, and you can visit our website at ohioca.org or just Google Ohio Christian Alliance. Also, we will have a printed voter guide that will be distributed to churches upon request, and you can go to our website and request voter guides for your church. So uh, a church may want 50, or they may want 100, or a couple hundred. And, uh, of course, contributions are welcome and needed uh, for the printing cost of the voter guide and shipping, because we ship them out all across the state of Ohio. In fact, the Ohio Christian Alliance, over the years, has printed and produced and shipped Ten and a half million voter guides over the years, and so uh, it's obviously something that's been a great resource to the church to be able to use. It is C three friendly. Again, we do not endorse political parties or candidates, but we simply provide educational uh, resources so that the church can distribute them to their congregants and understand where the candidates stand on issues. Now, again, uh, the voter guide will contain the surveys of those candidates that chose to respond to the Ohio Christian Alliance candidate survey. The candidate survey for state candidates is five pages long, but it covers a host of topics of pro-life, pro, uh, pro-family, Second Amendment issues, uh, religious liberty, and, of course, uh, education are all in that survey. Now, we don't publish the entire survey, but only about 12 to 14 of those answers are published in the Ohio Christian Alliance Candidate Survey. The candidates do not know which of the 14 questions will be uh, published in the Ohio Christian Alliance Voter Guide. Uh, They do fill out the entire uh, survey, but again, we just keep the rest of it for our internal purposes so that we might better understand these candidates who may become office holders as we then work with them on public policy at the Ohio State House and in Washington, D.C. You're listening to News and Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance. And uh, we are talking today about absentee ballots, early voting, voting at the polls on Election Day. Now let's talk about absentee ballots. Last week you got an application for absentee ballot. You did not get a voting ballot. Uh, Some people are confused by this whole process. But like the Secretary of State stated in his uh, TV interview, uh, again, we've been doing this since 2012. It first launched under former Secretary of State John Houston. And there was a little bit back and forth because different political groups were sending out applications for absentee ballots. And they said, well, who's approved to do this? And then, of course, the campaigns said, well, we're going to send them out to our voters. And then uh, both either Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, or Green Party. And they said, well, we're going to send them out to our candidates. And the Secretary of State said, okay, fine. We're going to send it out to every registered voter in Ohio. It's an application for absentee ballot. And... uh, it basically 
when you receive it, if you fill it out correctly and you want to vote by mail, so during COVID-19, there are people still taking precautions, our elderly, those with pre-existing conditions. In fact, Pastor Al, it's projected upwards of 40% of Ohioans will vote by absentee ballot or vote by mail. Now, the Secretary of State is committed to having an in-person election on November 3rd at the polls. Now, of course, me, traditionally, I've only voted absentee once, and I think it was because uh, I was going to be working uh, the polls that year, and so uh, I wasn't going to be able to make it to my precinct. That's when I did it. In fact, back in the day, Pastor Al, you remember, absentee ballot, why do we still call it that? It's kind of an arcane expression because it goes all the way back to, I think, the 70s, uh, uh, application for absentee ballot, because maybe 1% of people chose to uh, vote by mail or uh, apply for an application for absentee ballot. It was actually more, a, little, a little more rigid back then. Uh, you had to give reason or cause as to why you couldn't show up on Election Day. I personally would wish that we just all voted on November 3rd. I think there's something uh, celebratory and something significant and special about Election Day. And unfortunately, uh, the, you know, a lot of people on the left side of the aisle have been pushing for early voting and more voting and voting, 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 you know, and so uh, our opinion is it does open up avenues for fraud, and that's something that the Ohio Christian Alliance did back in 2013 after the 2012 election here in Ohio. That was a presidential election year. Barack Obama was elected to a second term, but we were getting a number of reports into our office of irregularities, suspicious activity, and yes, even suspicion of voter fraud. So we launched what was called a citizenship Sunday, or excuse me, a citizen led audit of boards of election. And so we chose 44 counties, a combination of urban, rural, and suburban. And it took us 13 months to conduct this research and study and investigation. And we turned over the findings to the Secretary of State, members of the Ohio House, Ohio Senate, and members of the media, uh, and to the Attorney General's office back then, to review the findings of the Ohio Christian Alliance and our statewide citizens audit. From that, a lot of good measures were enacted. In fact, they limited then early voting from 35 days to 28 days. Uh, They also, the Secretary of State, launched a number of voter fraud, um, you know, initiatives in which he did uh, discover people who were non-citizens, who were registered, and some who actually cast ballots in Ohio. And then there was prosecutions. There was this lady down there in uh, Cincinnati, Meloise Richardson, who actually admitted on camera that she had voted upwards of eight times. And so she uh, she was prosecuted, sentenced to five years in prison. I think she served just inside of two years, and they gave her an early release because of medical conditions. But uh, so folks, hey, you know, uh, one man, one vote. Isn't that right, Pastor Al? Oh, absolutely, Chris. And you know, I would echo what you're talking about, about absentee ballot process. Uh, over the years, um, I voted absentee a number of times. Um, when I was in college, I was out of state in Colorado. Uh, also, when I was in the Air Force, and then when my wife and I were missionaries in the Samoan Islands. And, uh, yeah, I remember early on, it was like you about, about had to have a doctor's order to, <laughs> to vote absentee. But it's so easy to do an absentee ballot these days, and with early voting, There's really no reason that any Ohio citizen that's eligible to vote cannot vote. The idea that I'm too busy, uh, it's it's hard for me to get out, uh, all of those things uh, fall by the wayside when you consider 
just what the Secretary of State said. They sent an absentee ballot application to every registered Ohio voter and early voting uh, at 28 days of early voting. There's no reason that an Ohio citizen cannot vote except that uh, they just choose not to. That's right. But you have to register to vote to be able to uh, request a ballot. So let's talk about that. If you're not registered to vote or you're curious about the status of your voter registration, let's say you haven't voted in the last seven years, your voting registration may have gone inactive. You may need to update your voting registration. You can do it at your local church, or you can uh, go to myohiovote.com and register online at the Secretary of State's office. In fact, we are going to push an initiative towards the end as we run out of days on the calendar for in-person voting registration uh, for folks to be able to vote, uh, register to vote online. But just go to your uh, local board of elections, whatever county. So if you live in Summit County, go to the Summit County Board of Elections, Cuyahoga County, Lorain County, um, Medina County, the same. Go to your uh, county board of elections website. They all have a website. And you can look up your voting registration and your status and see if it's active or not and see if you need to update your voting registration. There's a couple ways you could do it. You can actually download a voting registration form from our website, the Ohio Christian Alliance, or you can go to myohiovote.com and register online. Now, you'll need your driver's license and some other information to prove your identity, and that's a safeguard against voter fraud here in the state of Ohio. If you need to update your voting registration, if you've never registered to vote, if you've just recently moved to Ohio, or if you've just turned 18, uh, you can register to vote. And again, this is an opportunity for you to voice your opinion in the upcoming election and vote your values, we might say as well. Well, let's talk a minute about that you're registered to vote and you requested a mail-in ballot, okay? And so what happens? Well, I just talked to the Secretary of State's office this afternoon. So uh, October 5th is the voting registration deadline. Early voting then begins on October 6th. There's 28 days of early voting, and that's where people can go in person to the Board of Elections of their county, and sometimes they have a special site as well, another uh, satellite site you can go to, and you can uh, vote in person 20, uh, 28 days up to the election. The dates and times are available on your uh, Board of Elections website of your county, and you'll want to check on that if you plan to choose to do that. But if you're going to vote by mail and you've requested a ballot, uh, so you're waiting for the ballot to come to you, it should be coming October 7th, 8th, or 9th is when they're going to be mailing them out earlier that week. If you don't get it by the end of the first week of October, you can actually track the progress of the status of your ballot at your Board of Elections. Again, going to that website of your Board of Elections and seeing if your mail, if your ballot's been mailed out. Now, if 10 days expires, it says it's been mailed out and you didn't get it, well, you're going to want to call them. And, in fact, we encourage you to call us as well, the Ohio Christian Alliance, at 330-887-1922. Let us, let us know if something like that happens, because we'll be tracking those kinds of irregularities and talking to the Secretary of State's office and our boards of election. Again, because there's going to be such a high record volume of vote-by-mail, 40% is projected. That's the highest number we've ever had of vote-by-mail process in Ohio. But let me just say this. The best way, in my opinion, is to go to the polls. Pastor Al, you're going to be working the polls in your county, aren't you? 
yes, I will, Chris. And I agree that is the single best way because if you come in and you vote in person, when you uh, fill out your ballot and you feed it into the scanner and you stand there and you wait until it, it, it says that it's accepted and then you know your vote is in there and it's registered and uh, it will be at the Board of Elections that evening after the close of the polls. That's right. And so uh, voting at the polls is going to be open. It will be safe and it will be well manned. And by the way, if you'd like to work the, the polls on Election Day, you can let the Secretary of State know or your local Board of Elections, and they're recruiting poll workers. Some of our elderly who normally work the polls won't be working them this year because they're concerned they might have some health issues. They might have pre-existing conditions, and with COVID-19 still out there, they're taking precautions. So this, we told the Secretary of State we would help him recruit younger poll workers to do your civil civic duty. And they do pay you. It's uh, I worked the polls one year, and I told those ladies at the end of that long day, I said, they don't pay you enough. <laughs> and it was uh, quite an experience. I really enjoy it. I enjoyed working with the folks, uh, but it, it certainly was uh, rewarding in that sense. But it is a long day. But uh, again, it was it's, it's such an important thing to do. So let's talk about you get your ballot in the mail, all right? And so you fill it out, and then you put it in the envelope, and then you put two stamps on there. Now, somebody says, well, most of them only require one stamp. Folks, you don't want to leave anything per chance. Put two stamps on there just to make it for sure. You ever have an important piece of mail, Pastor Allen, you're, you're a little iffy on the weight. Mm -hmm. You say, hey, I'm not going to mess around here. I'm going to put on the second stamp. So, folks, nothing more important than your vote. And so I talked with the Secretary of State's office, and he said, yeah, that's a good way to make it safe. Put two stamps on there. So, you know, uh, basically, what does it cost? Uh, 55 cents a stamp. Put two stamps on there, folks, and put it in the mail. Now, there is word that the legislature may pass an initiative that would be uh, it, your postage would be paid. But you, right now, I'm going to tell you on this date of September 10th, there's no such measure at the State House that's been passed. We'll have to pay for the postage when that ballot goes back in the mail. Put two first class stamps on that mailer. Then put it in the mail. Then in a few days, go to the secretary, or go to the Board of Elections website of your county, and you can actually track whether they received your ballot back or not. Okay, so again, all that's a good way to safe and secure voting by mail, in person, and that's the way we're going to get it done. Now, if you want to do a Citizenship Sunday at your church, again, uh, the Sundays of September 13th, that's coming Sunday. September 20th and September 27th are all opportunities for you to do a voting registration at your church. Just ask your pastor, and you can download the forms at our website at Ohio Christian Alliance. And you just click on that icon on the top of Citizenship Sunday, and then nine pages will load. It will give you the information, the instructions, the do's and don'ts for churches are all there. And, of course, you can do a nonpartisan voter registration effort. And then it will have a voting registration form in there an application for absentee ballot, and a voter guide request form for your church, all on the website of the Ohio Christian Alliance. And if you have any questions, you can phone us as well at 330-887-1922. And I have one more thing real important. We're going to have a link on our main page. If you're um, voting by mail, let us know. Click on that link, fill out the short form, and let us know that you applied for an application for absentee ballot. It will help us to better serve the church. You just basically put your name in there, the name of your church, 
and that you applied for an application for absentee ballot or that you just registered to vote or updated your voter registration. Pastor Al, thanks for being my guest today. Thank you, Chris. God bless you. And uh, folks, get out there and vote your values. This is Albert Bowler with another word about the upcoming election. There is so much at stake. We might not be able to vote as conveniently as we have voted before, but that just puts on Christian citizens the responsibility to work even harder to make sure that we vote and that our vote counts. Too much is at stake to sit this election out. So, whatever it takes, go vote. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be dealing with a religious liberty issue here in the state of Ohio. If you've been listening to the program the last few weeks, you know that we've had guests on to talk about what's happening in other parts of the country. Very alarming, as uh, churches are being threatened with fines, uh, or basically nuisance ordinances, and being closed, uh, all under the auspices of COVID-19 restrictions. In the state of California, of course, Pastor John MacArthur and Grace Church is right now uh, facing uh, some court action by L.A. County, Los Angeles County officials. And the latest go-around is, is they sent an eviction notice to the church uh, because of its parking facility. So it's a retribution type of eviction. So it's not the church proper, but it's the uh, parking facilities that they've been using in the county since uh, 1975. So you can see that these kinds of draconian actions overreach by local and state government is really having a terrible impact upon the church. We received reports this week that Ohio itself is facing, due to COVID-19 
uh, restrictions and closures earlier this year and the stress that it's put on local congregations and uh, local churches uh, that obviously offerings and contributions, revenues are down, that Ohio is slated to to lose upwards of 30% of our churches will close and never reopen. This is an alarming uh, news item, obviously, as churches are an integral part of what we need as a vibrant society, ministering to the cares and needs of our communities. But what we're going to talk about today is what's happening right here in the state of Ohio. What's happening in the state of Ohio, of course, is a few weeks ago, Governor Mike DeWine issued a statewide face mask mandate. First, it was seven counties that had a slight spike uh, after spring activity. Then it expanded to nine counties. Then he went full uh, course with all 88 counties having a face mask mandate. Now, where the governor has stated repeatedly that he has not ordered the churches, but he sent mixed signals at the same time. Some of these signals early on, as you can remember, uh, that he was saying no larger groups than the size of 10. Yet he said he didn't order the church. Well, you can't gather a congregation together on a Sunday morning when you limit gatherings to 10. And then when you basically say that, uh, well, if you're a good Christian, you're not going to want to put people in compromising positions that could acquire the COVID-19 virus. So he kind of ugly shamed the church at the same time. And so where he didn't order it, he certainly sent mixed signals. And those signals were received in rural churches across the state of Ohio. And we're receiving reports where these pastors now gathering with other uh, pastors are saying, look, we were of the understanding that the churches were closed, that we could not open by state authority. So, you know, the governor really has at his feet that the mixed signaling that he sent from the beginning has had a very terrible effect. Now, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk on this program about the suicide rates that have skyrocketed here in the state of Ohio since March, and also opiate addiction overdoses in the state of Ohio. Obviously, all the gains that we've made over the last couple of years to tackle uh, drug addiction and opiate addictions uh, and fentanyl addictions has now lost all that ground that we gained, and now we are backslidden as a state, and actually now we're in a free fall. We're going to have people on the program to talk to you about how we're trying to reach those people that are falling between the cracks, and unfortunately, uh, the families that are grieving lost ones uh, who have fallen victim to drug overdoses. And, of course, alcoholism and marital stress is on the increase as well. And mental, we didn't, not even talking about clinical depression uh, that is off the charts here in the state of Ohio, all due to the stress of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, but more likely what government's doing by disrupting our lives with COVID-19 restrictions. But what we're going to focus on today is what's happening in the church. Well, when the governor uh, announced the face mask mandate across the state, it did include churches, and pastors got on conference calls with the, the governor and said, Governor, we disagree with you on this. Look, our churches have been doing social distancing, hand sanitizing, we've been doing UV lighting and taking all the precautions uh, we may even provide face masks for people, but we're not going to mandate or require people wear masks during the services. And so they told the governor that they disagreed with him. And so what's happening? Well, health departments have taken on the cause, and they are starting to call churches, send notices, and yes, even threaten churches with fines and closure. With me on the phone is OCA board member, uh, Pastor Al Davis. 
And Pastor actually received a notice this week, and I just got off the phone with another uh, pastor uh, from the Columbus area. Uh, and he pastors a Baptist church, and he got a call just today by a health official in Franklin County. So, uh, But also with us is Dean Kavoris, Pastor Dean Kavoris of Christ Lutheran Church of Cleveland, who called our offices after hearing our first program. Pastor Dean, welcome to the program. Hello. Glad to be here. Well, thank you, Pastor, for uh, reaching out. And uh, by the way, I read your blog that you sent to your congregation. Let's talk about that for a minute, because you've expressed some of these very concerns with your congregation and saying, look, people are hurting right now. The last thing we need to do is disperse. We need to congregate and minister to people. Explain. Uh, Well, I don't remember what I wrote on the blog right now, but... uh... Uh, the church has never been more essential than it is at this moment, uh, at least not in our lifetimes. And um, <clears throat> the um, uh, not only has the government caused the problem, but I'm sorry to say that uh, too many church, uh, too many ecclesiastical people, pastors, church officials, uh, were too ready to comply with everything. Uh, I am especially... Uh, upset with uh, the uh, Catholic bishops in America. This is not a denominational complaint. Uh, the fact that they caved in instantly back in early March closed all the Catholic churches, and uh, whether we like it or not, they are the, uh, if you will, the big dog on the block, and what they do, everybody else seems to do. So uh, they influence a great many other churches, uh, everybody was running scared, and uh, they've done tremendous damage. There are still some churches, some Lutheran churches, that are not open. Uh, others are open with such uh, restrictions that you can hardly call a church. Um, uh, people are still in a panic. They're still in a free fall. And we have to stop the madness. Pastor Dean, I appreciate you uh, uh stating that, and basically thank you for what you're doing with your congregation and making sure that you're congregating. But uh, it seems as if county officials in Cuyahoga County did contact you. They sent you two letters and also called you. Explain to us what that call was like from county health officials when they called the church. Uh, um, I I did not take the call. Our building manager took it. And uh, I will say, uh, even though it's chilling, the whole idea is chilling. Uh, they are playing softball. They are going through the motions, um, and that's all that appeared to be to me. Um, but even that, as I say, as an American, um, as a Christian, it has a chilling effect. Well, we're looking at the letter that came out from the Cauga County um, um, offices. Uh, County Cauga County, uh, uh, actually, Department of Health sent this out. This is one of the letters that you forwarded to us. We also learned of another church in Cuyahoga County that had been contacted by health officials, and complaints came in against the church. Now, again, uh, they've been doing all those kinds of social distancing, hand sanitizing, UV lighting, and but they're going to congregate. And, and the pastor said, I'm not going to mandate that people wear masks when they come to services. Uh, now, some people will, and they provide masks in the foyer, but that's about the extent of it. But what the problem is here is when you have overreach of government, going into church and talking to pastors and threatening pastors and church officials and saying, we got a complaint about your church, and 
Not everybody was wearing a mask. When we pulled the public records request from Summit County, for instance, and uh, these are obtainable, we had board, uh, our board officials reach out to county officials and obtained records. We saw one instance where there was um, St. Joseph Catholic Church that was called upon three times by, by one of the congregants, and she kept complaining. I was in Mass again this morning, and uh, people aren't wearing their masks, and you know, the father isn't doing anything about it. And can I hand out the citations? You know, she wanted to be the face mask police. <laughs> and she's reporting the church to county officials. Uh, we laugh about it a little bit, but it gets to be maddening when you realize that uh, this is actually an issue of liberty. These, these health officials, sure, there's going to be people to complain, but health officials and bureaucrats shouldn't be calling churches to uh, notify them or act like a policing agency and overseer. Pastor Al, your thoughts? I agree with you, Chris. And uh, when you're talking about the complaints, you know, of course, our church received an email, and I believe it was sent to a group of churches, not us in particular, and it was was from the Summit County Board of Health. And this uh, mandatory masking order that they passed last week, this was sent to me on Friday, this uh, Friday, August the 28th, and, and they had passed this, and uh, actually what you're saying, um, it says Summit County will enforce these orders through complaint-based monitoring, and it says businesses are required to enforce the resolution for their employees and customers, and if they fail to enforce it, they're subject to a $100 fine. And uh, so this is what they were sending out to uh, churches this past weekend. Well, again, and we're getting, so this came to you, and there was actually notices as well about capacity uh, that uh, went out as well. And so there's some confusion again, as the uh, governor issued that uh, entertainment venues can start operating again with the concerts halls or uh, music halls, these kinds of things, but 15% capacity. Well, the confusion is going to come in. To where you had, for instance, we had the Ohio Christian Alliance Freedom Banquet last month, well, in July, um, about six weeks ago. Well, we were at a venue that they could seat 600, and we were told we could have up to 250 guests, and that's what we did. And everything went well. Nobody contracted COVID that we are aware of, and all went well. We had uh, public officials with us, the Secretary of State, the State Auditor, and things went well. So uh, in other venues have been happening, but when they put out this alert about entertainment venues of 15% capacity, it gets a little confusing then for the hotels and uh, other assembly halls that may host a church and then restrict them to 15% capacity. This is going to be a problem. So I talked to a pastor today. We kind of addressed his issue in his county down there, Montgomery County, and uh, he appreciated that. We pulled records, and they're aware of it, and we've addressed with it the uh, administration, uh, Summit County also had a, a Luth, uh, mm-hmm. excuse me, a Nazarene church, and uh, we followed up on that one as well. Pastor Dean, your case up there in Cleveland. Now, I will tell you, Pastor Dean, that we have a, uh, requested public records requests. We'd like to see how many churches have been contacted uh, in the county, and this is all public information, and the other counties of Summit, Franklin, and Montgomery were pretty quick. In a few days, they gave us what they had on hand, Conga County was different. In fact, uh, Pastor, you, I think you'll find this to be interesting, uh, that they said they didn't have any records of any contact with churches. And this, well, was, their, this was their representing attorney. Well, that's a falsehood, because not only you, but we know of at least one other church in Conga County, and we know there's more. 
And so this this legal representation for the Board of Health of Cauga County, uh, he already has misspoken and actually, you could say, lied in this email, because we do have it in record. Um, and we're, we're going to probably uh, pursue that. And what I mean by is we're going to reach out to the state auditor, because he is a policing authority of these entities, making sure that they provide public records in a timely manner. Okay, it's not it's not like if I feel like it, they have to. And so we want to know how many other churches have been contacted, what that's like, what's the communication been like, and that kind of thing. So we know of two, at least, and so that was a conflict of uh, communication already from the Cauga County Board of Health. Your thoughts? Well, it's pretty obvious that government doesn't know what it's doing on the best of days. Uh, currently, uh, the confusion is complete. Um, you know, it is the, it's the job of leaders to inspire confidence, to lead people with courage through every challenge that they might have. Instead, um, they have um, uh, instigated panic, uh, 25-8, if you will, the media, the medical community, government officials, uh, and as I say, I'm sorry to say, ecclesiastical officials have also induced panic among the people. Um, I think the people have to take over here and say, we're going to live our lives as we live them, and if you try to stop us, we will file suit against you. The one thing that surprises me uh, quite a bit is that there are not attorneys advertising uh, civil rights violations against every that have been committed against every citizen in the state of Ohio. Uh, we were um, we were uh, put under house arrest for what ten weeks. Um, now we're being told what we have to look like, what we have to wear, uh, how close we get to people. These are uh, just speaking as an American. To me, these are civil rights. I, uh, I I wish that people would start filing lawsuits against the governor and against uh, the government, per se, against local officials, county officials, state officials, um, for trampling the rights of people. If I may also add one other thing in this yes, regard, uh, and that is this. As far as policing the wearing of masks, uh, the government has put many people at great risk. It's very dangerous to be the police if you're not the police. Uh, I have been a police chaplain for 25 years with uh, uh, several different agencies, including uh, federal agencies, and I know a lot about police work as a civilian. And uh, to have a 20-year-old clerk or an 18-year-old clerk uh, telling people what to do as far as face masks and so on, I'm afraid that somebody's going to get hurt, and it's the government who's going to have the injury or the blood on their hands uh, by trying to make everybody into the police. One last thing connected to that, and I will stop. Uh, this this uh, panic has brought out the worst in people. Yes, it has. Uh, every, every petty tyrant has now been exposed. I'm not just talking about government people. I'm talking about the, uh, for example, the uh, woman that you mentioned who wants to write citations. That's right. Uh, there, 
There are petty dictators everywhere. It's sinful. It's wrong. And um, Christians certainly need to uh, not take part in this. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. I appreciate you coming forward and coming on the program today. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. This is Albert Bowler with another word about the upcoming election. There is so much at stake. We might not be able to vote as conveniently as we voted before, but that just puts on Christian citizens the responsibility to work even harder to make sure that we vote and that our vote counts. Too much is at stake to sit this election out. So, whatever it takes, go vote. Pastor Al, uh, we've talked about this for several weeks now, and of course our board was looking at documents on Saturday with the reports that have been acquired. Now, this uh, letter came to light. This is a letter from the DeWine administration, and uh, it's uh, written from Beth Bickard, Executive Director of Association of Health Commissioners, okay, written to Dear Director Bickard, below is a concept paper for the governor's plan to assist local government leaders with enforcement of Ohio Department of Health orders. The general idea is to provide grant funding to help with local enforcement efforts against repeat and blatant violators at both the investigation and uh, prosecution levels. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to contact me. Well, we went on through this letter. We're going to make this public, not this right now, but in the next few days. And in exchange of emails, the one official saying to the other official, this is Montgomery County, and said, we got $95,000 for this. Well, if you're getting money, you're going to start acting out these enforcements. And again, folks, understand something. These records were acquired by the Ohio Christian Alliance in our research when we simply ask for communication of Department of Health to ch- about churches, complaints on face mask order, and any law enforcement uh, connection to the complaints. And this is what we got back. Here's what it also says. The governor would like to provide assistance to local health departments and local prosecutors' offices to help with the enforcement of the Ohio Department of Health orders. The basic concept is that the Ohio Department of Health would provide funding for local health departments to contract with investigators who would assist in the investigation of complaints against individuals, businesses who repeatedly and blatantly fail to comply with the Ohio Department of Health orders. 
you know, Al, this is it. It's in black and white now. We've got it in front of us, and we got it through a public records request. We haven't made it public yet. We are now on the airwaves, but we'll put it up on our website. Your thoughts about this? Well, I think that's uh, why our church got this email, because they now have money to have somebody who can sit down, find all of the uh, churches in Summit County, find their email addresses, and start emailing information to them. Um, I think this is a shadow of things to come. Well, see, and that's right. See that, and and you're you got to notice, but this is talking about envor- enforcement with a prosecutor. Yeah, preparatory to the enforcement. Yeah, yeah. That, that's not like a "how you doing today" kind of thing. Okay, this is enforcement. Okay, and so we already know that there's pine, fines and penalties, right, for violators. Mm-hmm. Well, again, this was acquired when we questioned about face mask order for churches, which as the uh, evangelical council told the governor, you've now put us under the same mandate as every other business and every other entity in the state with these orders, okay? Well, let's go back to what the governor said in one of his earlier pressers. He said, his wife reminded him, Mike, you you started out on this thing uh, trusting the people of Ohio. Let's continue to trust the people of Ohio. I don't know, Pastor Dean, does that sound like he's trusting the people of Ohio? <laughs> If I might say so, um, they have set off a pandemic of mental illness, and I'm not speaking figuratively. Uh, Face masks and social distancing and the anxiety, the poverty that they have created, the um, uh, people have lost their self-respect when they lost their jobs, even even what might be called a minimum job, a non-essential job. Those jobs are important to people. They have made people physically and mentally ill with their overreach and reaction. This needs to stop. Uh, People need to file lawsuits. Lawyers, where are all you lawyers out there? Why aren't you advertising uh, so-and-so makes the government pay? Like uh, like we have the ad from Northern Ohio. Uh, I don't want to mention any names, but um, we, we we need that to happen. And well, to me, that, this that's is a, they're causing damage to people in the same way. And this is as unjust as any other injustice, racial injustice, whatever else. This is just as bad. Pastor Dean Kavoris, we want to thank you for coming on the program again. Christ Lutheran Church in Cleveland, Pastor Al Davis of Richville Bible Baptist Church, Thank you, Pastor Al, for serving on our committee and uh, telling the story today. Now, we talked to pastors in Columbus, in Montgomery County, down in Dayton, uh, other ones in Summit County. And so, folks, these calls are going out to pastors statewide. Why is this important? Because if you let this go, then we lose another leaf off the tree of liberty. If this high watermark of the intrusion of government officials into local congregations and into churches, threatening churches, intimidating churches and pastors we allow that to go, what will be next? That's why the Ohio Christian Alliance exists, is to advocate on behalf of religious liberty across the state of Ohio. We work with churches across the state of Ohio. Well, listen, we're going to put this information up on our website, again, at ohioca.org. Just Google Ohio Christian Alliance. And if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at the website as well, at ohioca.org. Stay with us. We're going to talk to the roundtable discussion about our court case. And you don't want to miss that from the concerned citizens of Medina City. Pastors, again, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Chris.
God bless you. All right, stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back after these messages. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.